definitely not worthy of that introduction at all. Um, I told him to tell you guys I was a huge dogs fan. He's like, I want them to like you. So he left, he left that part out. So just like dogs lick their wounds, I'm still licking mine. So I'm, I'm waiting. I already had one brother come up to me and point out his Alabama jacket to me tonight. I was like, thanks, man. I needed that. So... For sure. I appreciate you guys having me. I don't know if I am the best one to conclude a summer series, but I am uh, more than, than grateful that you guys have me tonight. I, I very much appreciate it. Uh, if you want to go ahead and open up to First Peter, that's where we're going to be. First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, one of my favorite verses, and it's one that I've had the, the privilege and the opportunity to dissect over the last few years. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says this, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Think about that for just a second. Consider that, consider that imagery right here is that Peter finds it most fitting to describe our enemy, the devil, as a lion. And not just any lion, not, not the one you see at the zoo that you're begging to get up so that you can see him for a minute but a roaring lion, a, a lion that is on the prowl, that is out on the plains, free to do whatever he wills. And he says, that is what the devil is, a roaring, prowling lion. I find it interesting that he describes our enemy like this. And in some ways, I've always thought, was it meant to scare us? Was Peter trying to use a scare tactic for Christians and say, hey, we all know how we feel about lions. This is who the devil is. And in some ways, I think maybe... But mostly, I think he was trying to show us something. I think he was trying to show us something about the enemy himself, the lion itself. You see, lions are interesting. When we think about a lion, we think about a meat-eating, just gigantic beast. And when I think about the zoo, if, if you were to fall into the enclosure where the lion is, how would you feel about that? I mean, how, how would you really take that in for a moment? Maybe one of you teenagers over here, if you fell into the line enclosure, how would, how would you react to that? You'd be scared? What, what's your first instinct when you fall into the enclosure? What do you want to do? You want to get out. Yeah, exactly right. That's what we want to do is I want to get out of here. When we come face to face with the line itself, what we say is my only decision is to run. You see, now I find it very interesting that Peter decides to use the enemy as a lion. All of us, we want to run. Because when we see a lion, we think hungry, we think gigantic, we think death. If the lion gets a hold of me, I'm going to be ripped to shreds, and he's going to be looking at us like I looked at the meatball sandwich about an hour and a half ago. Exactly, right? Is That's exactly how we feel as I'm about to be dinner time. I think here's what Peter was trying to show us. He was trying to show us that the lion isn't as bad as how we perceive him to be. He is a predator. He is very, very, very dangerous. But there's a little more to the lion that if Christians were to see him for his actual nature, that he could actually be defeated by a person. You see, now I find it even more interesting that, that Peter wants to describe him as a lion. You see, if we knew the actual nature of the lion, if we knew he could be defeated, if I knew I fell into the lion enclosure and I knew there was something I could do in that moment and not have to run, 
would I still consider that? If you knew there was something you could do besides run, would you do it or would you still be inclined to run? Okay, what if I told you? Here's what you do. You ready? What if I told you you stand still? You said you would do it. You just said you would do it. Right? He's like, well, I ain't standing still. Ain't no way I'm doing that. I tell you, if you fall into the line enclosure, stand completely still. Stand your ground. Do that. Most of us would say, oh, you crazy, man. Ain't no way. No way I'm going to do that. In some ways, that's exactly what Peter's about to show us. Peter's about to show us something about the lion that if we stand still and we stand our ground, we're completely safe. And we're about to see that here in just a second. You see, there's something about a lion I'm going to show you real quick. And I actually have no knowledge of lions because I've never been to Africa. I'm not a zoologist or anything like that. I have no experience with them. I've, I've done some study of missionaries who have been to Africa. One of the first missionaries that ever went to Africa wrote his biography and his experience with lions and their nature and how they interact with human beings and even their nature and how they become predators and even how they can be defeated. This is what he had to say about lions. He said, there are two ways, there are two scenarios, basically, that you can be a part of to avoid a lion attack. Here's the first one. This is what he says. There are two ways they attack. They either lie in wait in a very bushy area, and they ambush you. They wait on someone to come by where their inhibitions, their guard is down, and they wait until no one is looking, and they attack you from behind. The other way is, is that they prowl. Just like Peter described, they prowl and they scan the area looking for the most vulnerable, most weak animal that they can get a hold of. They don't just attack just out of instinct. All of a sudden, as soon as they wake up, they go and attack. They wait and they look and they watch and they walk around. Those are the two ways they attack. When it became to the ambush scenario, this is what the guy said. He said... Be mindful of your surroundings. Look at where you are and avoid the places that will make you vulnerable. Do not go around the bushy areas. Find your path to where you're going, where you can actually avoid being in those areas. This man actually was attacked by a lion, had his arm in a lion's mouth because they were riding through, going back to camp, and the lion ambushed them. So he says, I have personal experience with this very nature of a lion. So he says, be aware of your surroundings. Don't put yourself in positions to be surprised and be vulnerable. And you won't be. That's exactly how he says it. And you won't be surprised or ambushed. In the other scenario, when he's out prowling, this is what he says. If you come face to face with a lion, as long as you aren't startled by it, it won't be startled by you. And if you will stand there, more, more often than not, it will walk away. Y'all are like, that's a lie. I don't know what book you read, but you need to get your money back on that, right? There ain't no way a lion would do that. Now, if he's hungry enough, and if he feels like you're invading his territory, maybe. But if he is a prowling lion, and he sees you, and this guy said, stand completely still, like you're not going to move. And if you don't let it startle you, you won't startle it, and it will walk away. He even said that's the very nature of oxen and other herd-type animals on the plains there, is that if they find themselves vulnerable, if they will actually stand for a minute that the lion, more often than not, will walk away. 
What's the one way? What's the one way that causes the lion to chase you? What do you want to do? I want to run. Yeah. We just talked about how we don't like running. I'm with Eric. I hate to run. That's punishment for me too. I'll run if my kid runs, and that's about it. And then after like five minutes, I'm winded. But this line is waiting on you to run. Why? Because you're going to make yourself more vulnerable. You're going to make yourself more tired. You're going to be in a weaker state when he catches you. I want you to run. It's like the dog or the cat that you actually have as a pet that wants to play chase. They want you to run. And that's exactly what the lion wants us to do. If you become panicked, that's exactly where he wants you. 1 Peter 5, 8, let's go back there again. I think this is exactly why Peter describes Satan as a lion, because despite knowing his nature, we view him as ruthless, we view him as aggressive, we use him as dangerous, and the more we stick around, the the more vulnerable we become. You see, we as human beings, even knowing the devil and even knowing our God, one of the mistakes we make as human people is we like to equate the power of Satan with the power of God. A lot of times we put them like a Marvel, Marvel poster where it's a, a civil war, is that they are both equally mighty beings and that they're going to battle against one another. The one thing we've forgotten is, is that God created the lion. God created his enemy. He's more powerful than the enemy. But for those of us, even as Christians, knowing the power of God, knowing how complete, completely secure we are in him, we totally forget about it. We totally forget about it. And when we come face to face with the enemy, our instinct is, I've got to get out of here or I won't survive. That's how we view our enemy, and that's exactly what Satan wants. His aim is to undermine us. His aim is to destroy our confidence for him to gain the upper hand. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 actually says the heart of the unbeliever is in trouble. Why? Because the God of this world has blinded their heart from seeing the power of God. Even that, that person that is a Christian can have a heart of an unbeliever if you forget The power of God, Satan has the upper hand. He has now tricked your mind into thinking you have no control, you have no hope. You're doomed. And that's how many of us find ourselves when we're in times of difficulty or times of temptation. So let's go to verse 8 here. You see, Peter's instructions then, instead of the panic and run response, is the total opposite. This is what Peter says. Look at verse 8. He says, Be sober-minded. Keep your cool. Don't panic. That's exactly what he's trying to say. If we translate it into into our modern language, he's saying, be sober-minded, church. Keep your cool. Stand your ground and don't panic. Think it through for just a second. And then he says, be watchful. One of the ways he said a minute ago to avoid an attack of a lion is to mind your surroundings. Be watchful. Stay alert. Don't be careless with your decisions. Don't be careless with the places you choose to go and the people you choose to hang around with. Be very mindful about what you're doing. And then in verse 9, he says, resist him. Resist the lion. He says, don't run. Stand your ground. Don't run. Resist the devil. James chapter 4 affirms that when he says, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil 
And what? Does anybody know that? James 4, verse 7, resist the devil and he'll do what? He'll flee from you. Really? The lion? No way. We just said that a minute ago. If you stand your ground, the lion itself will walk away. And the Bible itself says that. Resist the lion and he will flee from you. He will walk away from you. Ephesians chapter 6 says something similar. When it talks about us having the armor of God... He gives us all of this armor, all of this protection we have. And what he's trying to say is be strong in the Lord. Remember who you are in God. Stand your ground because you have protection. You can withstand anything the devil throws at you. Something interesting, something else interesting about lions. Lions don't just seek something to eat. They're looking for a specific animal to eat. You see, if, if I'm someone that wants to get in a fight, I'm not going to walk up to the guy in the very back that looks like he may be a cop or a police officer and pick a fight with that guy. I've, see, I've already, I've already scanned him out. There ain't no way. I'm going in his direction, right? No, because I'm going to lose that fight. A lion knows that too. The devil knows that too. If you're in here and you're spiritually strong, the devil knows I can't attack that person. The lion knows I can't attack the strongest animal in this herd. Who am I looking for? I'm looking for the animal that's straight away. I'm looking for the one that's weak and defenseless, that's made themselves vulnerable by, vulnerable by themselves. I'm looking for that animal, which is another message for us. Don't put yourself, Peter says, don't put yourself in positions of, of careless decisions to where you find yourself isolated. That's who the lion's looking for. Another fact about lions when they hunt. You see, we just talked about lions at, at dinner tonight going to Disney World and taking my kid to Disney World for the first time in February. So I was getting all the insight about Disney World. And they said, if you want to see the lion and actually see the lion active, what time of day do you go? Oh, at nighttime. That's exactly right. At nighttime when it's dark. Because a lion doesn't hunt most often during the day. I need the cover of night. I need the cover of dark to be able to attack my prey. You see, that's the way Satan works too, right? We see in the Bible where, where God tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, is the light of the world. If He is the light of the world and we are in the light... We are protected by the light of Jesus Christ. We are secure in the light of Jesus Christ. It's when we step outside that light that we become vulnerable. That we become weak. You see, the spiritual lion likes to hunt under the cover of darkness too. He's not necessarily coming in here trying to scope out the strongest Christians. He's waiting for those who choose not to come and sit in the light. Those that choose to do other things with their life. Those that choose to go other places on the weekend and, and be with other types of people. He's looking for the Christian that's just been through a very difficult time that finds themselves very, very, very weak and questioning everything about their faith. He's at all our colleges right now. Because he's scanning out the kids now who are out of the security of their home wanting to see how many of them are as strong as they say they are. You see, he's in the places where he's trying to find the weakest prey. Now, you might be sitting there right now. I don't know. You might be sitting there right now feeling like the guy I told you about. And you say, well, 
that's really good that you're telling me to avoid the attack of the lion. This is how you avoid it. And you're sitting there thinking, I'm already there. You see, Casey, the fact of the matter is, is I already find myself in the jaws of the lion. Now tell me what to do. If I'm already there, if I'm already being consumed by the lion, now how do I get out of that? Tell me that, big boy. Okay, I'll tell you. The guy himself survived this lion attack, and he said this, it is very hard to escape the snare of a lion. It's not like a shark, don't poke it in the eye. I don't even see why you'd poke a shark in the eye. That's just dumb to me. <laughs> you poke me in the eye, I just get madder. So um, he says, resist him, not to the point that you make him mad, but there is a way that you resist him. He said, there is something very, very special about the control of God when you're in the snare of a lion. And I'm about to share that, that very powerful scenario with you. But first, let me take you here. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to read a verse to you about the power and control of God, because this is the thing. You find yourself in, in, the, in the snare of the line. You find yourself already be con, being consumed. And you actually think to yourself, there's no way out. You see, we as Christians, we do that, right? We actually say, I've gone too far. I've done too much. I'm already so far gone. There's nothing I can do to be the person that I want to be. There's nothing I can do to get back to being the person that the church needs me to be. There's no reason for me to go back. Some of you have family members that feel that way right now. Some of you have friends that feel that way. Some of you personally in here right now are here, but you feel that way. I'm here because my parents made me come. I'm here because I know this is where I'm supposed to be. But I feel like there's no way out of the situation that I'm in. We've forgotten about the power and the control in the hand of God. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 says this. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will always provide a way of escape that you may, may be able to endure it. And so this is what he says about the, the lion's attack. You ready? Endure it. Now I'm about to share with you how you escape the lion, but this is point one. He says, endure it. Don't fight it by yourself. Don't poke him in the eye. Endure it. Because there is a way out. You see, that's the thing that we confuse ourselves about and we trick our minds and Satan says, there is no way out. I've already got you. Go ahead and chalk it up to defeat because you're about to be consumed. You're spiritually dead. Give it up. And that's another trick he plays on us right there. And God says, don't listen to the line. Peter's saying, don't listen to the line because the line is trying to tell you just give it up. Stop fighting. Endure what you're going through because God will provide a way of escape. Okay, so if you want to fight this, if you more than anything want to fight this snare of the line that you're in right now, if you more than anything want to escape the jaws of the line right now, here's what you need to know. You better be willing to fight to the death. You more than anything must want to fight to the death because that's exactly what a lion is going to do. And that's the other part of the nature that Peter's trying to show us is that if you want to defeat the lion, if you want to defeat the enemy, you better be willing to fight to the death because that's exactly what he's going to do. You may be able to get in a few punches. You may be able to throw a few rocks. You may, may be able to be run 100 yards. 
But He's going to chase you down, and He's going to fight until one of you dies. It's all a matter of which one comes first. So who's it going to be? So that's the one thing we must know, is we must be willing to fight to the death. Are we going to stand our ground? Can you be saved? I guess is the question. If you find yourself in the jaws of the lion right now, or even in a, a moment of vulnerability and weakness, and you're thinking, if I ever get caught by the enemy, if I ever find myself in this type of position, I'll never be able to find my way out. Can a Christian really find their way out of this situation? Absolutely. Here's how. Here's how. One word, and it's the word I was told that you guys have been studying all summer. Together. Together. You see, you've been studying this aspect of family and togetherness, and why not? Why did God create the church? Because He knew we couldn't do it by ourselves. He knew some of us were going to be, let's use it, dumb enough to try. But He created the church because He knew that we couldn't. He created the church because He knew a line can't be defeated by one person. Some people are going to try. But that's why we have a family. That's why we have a bond. That's why we have relationships that God designed for us. As a Christian, we must remember and realize we can't succeed in this life by ourselves. You're not going, for the teenagers, you're not going to convert that friend, that friend that throws temptation your way, that friend that's trying to get you to, to do things with them so they'll come with you. You're not going to convert that friend by yourself. You're not going to escape that temptation by yourself. For those in the workforce, you're not going to convert that coworker by yourself. You're not going to be able to escape that temptation from another person by yourself. For that vice that you may have, you can't get rid of that by yourself. As hard as we all try. Because the one thing the devil's also done to us is he's also made us our own worst enemy. We're always the ones that trick ourselves into going back into the trap and crawling back into the jaws of the lion because we don't think that we can do it. I'm not worthy of being let go by the lion. Might as well crawl back in there. And we do. And we do. We can't succeed in this life alone. So in order to kill the lion, what Peter's trying to say, it's no different. Ancient tribes killed lions in groups. With their entire tribe, the men would go out. And you know how they kill it? This is what I love about young people, by the way. When one of them struggles, and they finally give up that struggle and they come to confess it, there's a beautiful scenery that takes place as one of them will sit down, and the rest of them do this. That's exactly how you defeat a lion is they would take that line and they would encircle it and they would start to come in on it and they come in a little further on it and they start to throw their spears and all the weapons that they have until finally the line succumbs to death. But they never let it out. They never let it out of the circle and they don't stop fighting it until it dies. We're going to encircle this temptation. We're going to encircle this danger and we're going to be here until it leaves. Man, what a beautiful image. That's exactly how you kill a lion. 
is together. See, there's power in togetherness. There's power in family. And where we find ourselves vulnerable is when we try to do it by ourselves. You see, the thing that's going to happen is this. If you try and do these things by yourself, if you try to defeat that line by yourself, if you say, I'm going to take you on and you're not going to do this, that's great. Love your attitude. But there's no way that you're actually going to walk at that line. Now, here's the next thing. You ready? I asked you if you'd run a minute ago, right? I said, would you run? You say, yeah, maybe. Now I'm going to tell you this. I want you to walk toward him. I want you to attack him by yourself. Would you do that? No. Why? Because as soon as you run toward him, he's going to run toward you. He's like, oh, this guy wants to fight. Now let's do this. I was going to walk away, but now he wants some of this. And that's exactly what a lot of us try to do. A lot of us say, I don't need the people up here that are trying to save me. I'm going to do this all by myself. And we start, start walking toward that line. And that's where Peter says, you better mind your surroundings, church. There's nothing around you right now that's going to save you. He says you need to do it together. You need to do this together as a family. But when we succumb to temptation, and we isolate ourselves from our Christian family, Satan knows. Now they're primed and ready. I'm waiting till they're weak. I'm waiting till they're vulnerable. I'm waiting till they're by themselves in the dark. Now I've got you. You see, that's where we end up thinking we're doing the best thing when we're really doing the worst thing is some of us, many that aren't here right now, have found themselves in that position. And they say, well, I won't be accepted back into the church. Well, I'm not worthy to be a part of that group. I'm not good enough to be in that place, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave. We have many in all of our fellowships, in all of our congregations that have walked away from God because I feel like I need to do this. I don't feel like I'm worthy to go back. And so we just abandon the people that can save us. We abandon and isolate ourselves from the people that can actually protect us, and we walk away out into the woods. I took our, our youth group the other day to a mission trip where I'm from in North Georgia. We have four bears on the loose on the mountain that we live on. I don't know what it is about kids down here. Have you ever seen a bear? <laughs> I told them, don't go walking by yourself, especially when it's getting dusky dark. Don't be walking from house to house by yourself. Why not? Because there's a bear on the loose. Well, it's just a bear. No, no, listen, it's not poo bear, okay? It's, it's not that kind of bear. This is a real bear. The bear that was actually just killed, where, where I'm from, was about seven feet tall and weighed about 500 pounds. This was a, this was a pretty good-sized bear. He actually killed my parents' dog, so I'm a little bitter about that. But we put ourselves in that position. We say, you know what? I don't need to be here. You guys don't need me. I don't need you. And so while I'm trying to work this out... While I'm trying to work this temptation out, I'm going to leave you guys and I'm going to go out here by myself. And I'm going to be around the people that will abandon me when the line comes around. I'm going to be out here by myself in the dark and walk around. And the church is pleading, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And our question is like the teenagers, well, why not? Why not? Because there's a line out there. If I told you there's a line standing at the, at the door out here, would you walk out there? Some of you would. I know you would. 
So we wouldn't do that. I'd want to find a camera somewhere and get a good look at it first. I want to see what kind of danger is out there before I put myself out there. But many of us isolate ourselves because we feel like that's where we need to be. Church, let me tell you right now, if you're in that position, teenagers, if you're in that position, there's nowhere better for you to be than in the protection and the security of your church family. Even if you're doing things that are heinous, that are wrong, that are sinful, there's nowhere better for you to be. Yes, you may be struggling with sin, but this is the place that's going to help you get rid of that sin. Because you can do it together. You can absolutely do it together. You see, the thing about us is this, is that if we find ourselves in the crosshairs of the line, we find ourselves in the jaws of the line, here's what we must be willing to do. We must be willing to let our family help. You see, there's another problem we run into sometimes is that we talk about this idea of family and togetherness and unity where there's sometimes we're struggling and we absolutely refuse help from our brothers and sisters. We've got to be willing to let them help. If you're stuck in the jaws of the lion and they're saying, let us kill him, and you're saying, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. I love lions. I, I don't want him to die. He's so cute and cuddly. Dude, your arm's being chewed off. No, but he's still so cute. You remember Simba from The Lion King. I, this may be him, and I don't want him to die. And we do that. And we're saying, we don't want your help. I'll find a way out by myself, but don't kill him. We have to be willing to let our church family help. We have to be willing to help. And church family, on the other hand, you've got to be willing to go to battle. How many of us as, as a family are willing to do that now? Is that you see one of, one of your family members, one of your friends, one of the church members in trouble, in the jaws of a line. Now, how many of you are going to run to their aid? You see, there's another concept of togetherness and family and unity. Is that when someone is in trouble, without a doubt, without hesitation, I'm going. Even if a line has got them already trapped and is trying to rip them to shreds, I'm going to do everything I can do. To save them. You ever watch dolphins when they're in a shark attack? You see, dolphins can beat sharks as well because one of the things they figured out is they can't defeat a shark by themselves. But if they all start teaming up on it, it will eventually give up and swim away. They figured out the concept of unity and togetherness, and they're willing to go into battle for each other. Now, here's the thing about battle. I don't want to paint this picture of, of rainbows and butterflies. It is what it is. It is what it is. When I say your, your friend, your family member, your church member is in trouble and we must be willing to go into battle, understand this. Wounds will be incurred. There is danger present. Something bad may happen. But you're not worried about that. You're going into battle. You see, when you encircle the line, the line may get a paw or two at somebody. It may strike them down. But see, what the tribe cared about was not their own safety, but the safety of their, their friend or their family member that was in trouble, and I have to get them out. And so you may leave the battle wounded yourself. You may leave the battle scarred yourself. 
but there was no way you weren't going into battle. One thing you must remember about the lion as well is this. God created the lion. God created his nature. The lion can't take over the whole tribe. That's his nature. His nature, when surrounded, is to run because he knows. God has created him to know that I can't do this with all of these people. He's created our enemy the same way. Satan himself knows. If I were to walk into this church building and they're all strong and they're all surrounding each other and they're all on fire, there's no way I can do this. And he leaves. There's no danger present right here. They're not going to let me take one of them. You see, there's power in togetherness. There's power in family. And God has created the devil to know that and to succumb to that type of unity. Because he knows there's nothing he can do. It's in our nature to understand that, to realize it, to access it. So really the decision lies in our hands. The lion knows his nature. We must know ours. We must know where our power is. We must know where our success is. And it's not alone, it's with each other. And that's what I pray all of us always understand is that whether you be in the crosshairs or in the jaws, there's always hope because there's always each other. 1 John chapter 5 tells us this in verse 18, He who is born of God is protected by the Father. And listen to this, The evil one cannot touch him. Let's read that again. He who is born of God, he who is a child of God, is protected by his Father, and the evil one cannot touch him. Here's the last thing you need to understand about the lion, about the enemy. The lion cannot kill you unless you let him. You see, whether you've been struggling with this and you disagree with some of what I have to say, Leave with this, understanding this. The lion cannot defeat you. The enemy cannot defeat you unless you let him. It's in your hands. Even if you're trapped in the jaws of that lion right now, the only way you die is if you let yourself. Because in the power of God, I'm told, that the evil one cannot touch me, cannot harm me, cannot kill me, unless I let him. Unless I get out of the view and the protection of the father and the family that he's designed for me. So my prayer is this. My prayer is that you're successful in your fight. My prayer is that we're all watchful when we leave this place tonight because you can't just hear a lesson, you can't just go to church, you can't do all the spiritual things and walk out and be totally protected by this, as we say, the hedge of protection. God doesn't just throw that over us, you know, as soon as we walk out. When we step out these doors, we're in the lion's enclosure. We're in his territory. So Peter says... Be watchful, be sober-minded, 
And when things happen, resist him. And you'll be successful in your fight. I don't know what your fight is. I don't know what any of your fights are. You see, in the, the, the congregation that I'm at right now, there are so many going on, just like I'm sure there are here. Our teenagers over here are dealing with things that none of us have ever dealt with before on a larger scale. So here's what I tell you. Surround these young folks. Give them the love and the encouragement that they need. Don't dismiss them because they struggle with sin. Let's be real. I've seen the movies. I've heard the stories. We were all teenagers once, even though they don't believe it. We were all teenagers. We know what sin and temptation looks like as a young person. There may be the, the cubs or the, the babies in the herd. They need protection. They need to be surrounded by the family. For those of us in here that are wounded, I don't know what your fight is. It may be cancer. It may be addiction. Maybe anger. There's a lot of us deal with that. Maybe just worldliness. Maybe you're struggling with a lack of faith because you're going through a really bad divorce. I don't know. You're in a fight. Let's be real. Everyone in here is in a fight. I don't know what that is. The only way you win that fight is with the people in this room. What's always flabbergasted me is this, and I know my time is getting close, so I'm going to wrap it up. One thing that's always amazed me is this, is the place that we should be the most open is the place that we're the most closed off. The place that we should feel the most vulnerable and transparent is the place we throw up the most walls. And that's in a place like this. I appreciate the hearts of young people because they're not fearful to confess their sin. There's something about us getting older that makes us feel vulnerable to confess our sin one to another. But we see it in the Scriptures over and over and over and over again telling us, confess your sin. Why? Because even Peter knew right here, if you will stay true to one another, they'll stay true to you and they'll help you in this battle. But the tribe can't encircle you. The tribe can't protect you. The tribe can't save you if they don't know you're in trouble. It's not like we can just look out here and say, wow, yeah, he or she is dealing with that. Some of us are very good at hiding our wounds and our pain and the attack that we're under. Church, there is no better place to be transparent. There is no better place to confess sin and to confess hurts and to confess sorrow. Because this is the place that we should be able to surround each other the most. And what happens is, is we go outside these walls and we look for relief and we look for encouragement and we look for love in other places that can't provide it because when the danger presents itself again when the temptation presents itself again they run they surround us for a minute and when the line comes back for one more attack they abandon us and now we're vulnerable again that's why peter that's why all the writers in the scriptures tell us this is a family this is why we're together, is because we're the only ones that understand each other. You see, we say that a lot about preachers, is that we actually lean on one another 
more so than other people because we understand each other. We understand what we're going through. There's not a lot of people in the world that know what Christians are going through. Only Christians understand what other Christians are going through. So why wouldn't we lean on them and lean on each other? So that's my prayer today is that you're successful in your fight. But that you'll lean on one another. My prayer is that you don't run from difficulty. You don't run from temptation. But rather you resist it and you lean on God for the safety and the security that you need. You learn to ask for help. Yes, if we were trapped in the lion's enclosure, I highly doubt we're just going to stand there and be like, well, this is where I'm at. Might as well accept it. There's going to be people screaming. I'm going to be screaming. If you ain't heard me scream, I can scream like a little sissy girl. I can. And especially if I'm in trouble, I'm going to want out of there. I think Eric screams more like a sissy girl than I do, but that's beside the point. But we're going to scream for help. We've already offered the invitation, so we're not going to do that again. But here's the thing. Don't leave here trapped in the jaws of the line because you refuse to ask for help. Because you don't think anybody cares. Because you don't think anybody will understand. I'm going to tell you right now, there's someone in here that totally understands where you're coming from because they've been there. All of the scenarios that we just described, someone in here's probably dealt with that. And they can help you through it. But you can't be saved until you ask for help. And the devil can't defeat you unless you let him. So my prayer is that you resist him. Don't let the devil win tonight. Don't let the lion defeat you. Lean on one another. Long after this night is over, learn to lean on each other. Learn to see the power of God and togetherness and family of the church. Let's pray together. Father, I come to you so grateful for this night, for the opportunity we have to be together as a family. Father, there are so many times we don't understand what this family that you've put before us really means. But before we were ever created, you had us in mind. You had our family in mind. And we thank you for thinking of us and putting people in our lives and people in our way and people in our congregations that can understand us and help us. Father, forgive us of the sins that we commit. Give us the strength to endure the temptations that we are under. And Father, give us the courage to lean on our family. Give us the courage to ask for help when we need it. Give us the courage to allow help to come into our lives even if we don't want it. Father, I pray that you'll allow us to see the power of your love and your mercy and your strength in the people that sit around us tonight. I pray that they'll see your very nature in each other and that they'll learn to lean on one another, trust each other, love each other, and become a stronger unit because of the love and the commonality we all share in you. Father, I pray for this congregation that they continue to grow and be a light in this community. I pray for each and every individual in their fight that they have tonight. Give them the strength to persevere through this day and the next day and on and on. Father, we pray that we will have the wisdom to seek you when 
whenever we are joyful, whenever we're burdened, whenever we're discouraged. Father, knowing that being with you can give us strength. Father, we ask for protection tonight as we leave and that you'll let us show someone the love and the power and the grace and the mercy that comes from your love in our life tonight and tomorrow and in the weeks to come. We pray it all through Jesus. Amen.